Episode 5, Desperation Dinners. Picture it, you finally get home after a long day at work, school, or just lying around on your couch. But you just don't feel like making dinner. I know how you feel. I feel this way probably five days out of seven. But instead of falling face first into a bowl of cereal, listen up as I share my tips and tricks for getting food on the table ASAP. And you might not even have to fire up the stove or oven. Welcome to our program. This is the Nom Nom Paleo Show with Michelle Tam and Henry Fogg and the Double O's. Join us as we go behind the scenes and reveal how we make a real food lifestyle fun, sustainable, and nomtastic. We're the food nerds behind Nom Nom Paleo, the award-winning food blog, app, and cookbook. And we're also the parents of two growing boys, Big O. Hello. And Lilo. Hello. Hi. Hi. Whatever. And they're the reason we do what we do. Hey, Michelle, what did you eat this week? Well, it's something I think I eat almost every morning. Anyone who follows me on Instagram knows that I fry crispy fried eggs probably every day, but I have a certain way of seasoning them, and I do it the same way every day. What do you put on them? <laughs> like you don't know. So I always put my favorite sea salt, and I really like the sea salt from Oregon called Jacobson Sea Salt. I mean, I know it's just salt, but there's something about it and the way the crystals crunch. So I always sprinkle some salt on it. And then I put on some furikake, a Japanese seaweed and sesame seasoning blend, which is packed with umami. Furikake is interesting because I know that oftentimes you go to the store, you're trying to scan the shelves for a good brand of furikake that's paleo friendly, and it can be difficult. Totally difficult. The brand I buy is Urashima All Naturals. It's the only one that we've found that doesn't have MSG or sugar or some other stuff. But at the same time, the one we buy literally is nori and sesame seeds, which is something that we could probably put together ourselves. So if I'm a home cook and I want to put it together myself because I don't have an Asian market nearby, how would you do it? I think you would just toast some nori and then cut it up really small or crumble it and then toast some sesame seeds and voila, there you have it. Just stick it in a jar. But you probably need like one of those desiccant packs because the nori can get soft really fast. And desiccant packs are totally paleo. They're not paleo, but when I worked at the Poison Control Center as a pharmacy student, they're not as deadly as people think. There's a skull and crossbones on it, but they said that eating it is just like eating a package of sand and it'll just go right through your body. So there you have it. Not as dangerous as you think. But I still wouldn't eat it. Good tip. Okay, let's get back to your crispy eggs. What else are you putting on your eggs to flavor them up, Michelle? So I put the furikake, I put the Jacobson sea salt, and then I also put this stuff called garlic gold on it, which I got as a sample from one of my friends. And it's these crispy garlic nuggets that have been fried in olive oil, but at a low temperature, so they get perfectly crispy, but they don't burn. I don't even know. I don't know how they do it because whenever I try to fry up garlic in any kind of oil, it turns black. Yeah. So I think the trick to browning garlic or shallots properly is to do it at a low temperature. But I'm so impatient that I always started at a much higher temperature. And so it goes from not cooked at all to like black carbon in a blink of an eye. So you have to be very careful or be like a ninja. 
I am not a ninja. I just don't have the patience to stand there and eyeball it and make sure that we have the... to pack lunches. We have other things that we're doing. So garlic gold is perfect because it comes yeah. out of a bottle. I think you can buy it at a bunch of different stores. I really like it. So it's a combination then of Jacobson sea salt, Urashima all natural furikake, and garlic gold. It's like I'm putting all this confetti on my eggs. It looks pretty cool. It doesn't just look cool, it tastes really good too. That's right. Even Owen thinks so. I just like to look at it. <laughs> what did you eat this week, Owen? Well, we went to a Mexican restaurant and I really liked the Camarones al Ajillo. Do you know what that is? No. What is it? Garlic shrimp. Mexican style. You like garlic shrimp, Ollie? Shrimp is you just don't like it because you have no taste. Yes, I do. I have a taste for vanilla ice cream. This is a paleo podcast. You can't say vanilla ice cream. But Dad eats it all the time. He does. I eat it with him. Oh, man. <laughs> Dad is so busted. Yeah, Dad, you're so busted. <laughs> <laughs> the main course. The meat of this episode is all about desperation dinners. In other words, how do you get food on the table when you just don't want to cook? So here's a confession, and, and Henry, you know all about this. I like to eat way more than I like to cook. That like, is true. It is totally true. Whenever someone asks me, like, what's your favorite recipe? What's your favorite dish that you like to cook? I know, I know. It's the recipe that you don't have to cook. Yeah, it's the meal someone else makes me. I hear it all the time. And don't get me wrong, I enjoy cooking, but sometimes it is just a chore. Like you come home from shuttling the kids to whatever activities they have. Sometimes you just feel uninspired. There have been many times where I will look in the fridge and I'll be like, I have absolutely nothing to cook. Or sometimes I just say that because I don't want to cook. I feel bad because I sort of just take it for granted that when I get home after work, there will be food there. And I don't see a lot of the struggle that goes on behind the scenes. You don't see the struggle because I think I've finally found the workaround for all this. It does take a little bit of planning. And so I will share what I do. So what I'm going to talk about today is preparing for desperation dinners. These are dinners where you really don't want to cook at all. And I've had those days. I remember when you used to work night shifts. On weekends, I would be Mr. Mom. While you were sleeping, I would take the kids to their Kung Fu lessons. We would have a full day of activities. And I knew you would wake up and I would need to have something on the table. And that's when I would get really desperate. I always marveled at how the other days of the week, you managed to magically get food on the table. So for those of you who don't know, I was a night shift pharmacist for 12 years where I'd work seven nights on and then I'd have seven days off. But I still made dinner every night. The nights that I would be working, I was actually much better at meal planning. I would think ahead about what we were going to make. I would plan to defrost certain proteins and I'd make sure we were well stocked with vegetables. So I knew and had a plan for what we were going to eat. But on the seven days off, those were the days I would really struggle with what I would cook for dinner. And I think it was because I either thought I just had so much time or being a full-time mom on those days made it so I wouldn't want to make dinner at night. 
So now that I don't work nights anymore and I work on the blog and I take care of the kids full time, sometimes getting food on the table is a struggle. Because you don't have that regular schedule anymore. Yeah, I think because there isn't that time pressure. I think I'm someone that really needs deadlines or to be backed up against the wall for me to really plan things. Otherwise, I'm just totally loosey-goosey. I feel the same way. I remember on the weekends when you were working nights and we were both in the throes of trying to put together our cookbook, how I was much better about planning meals and cooking them while you were asleep because not only did I know I had to get it done for recipe testing purposes, but I also needed to have some food on the table when you woke up. Yeah. So I haven't worked nights for almost a year. And it took me a couple of months to figure out my new routine. But now I have a system where I can get food on the table even when I don't want to cook. And so I'm going to share it today. Please do, because I actually have no idea how you're able to get food on the table by the time I get home. <laughs> So we're not talking about having time to cook a stew or even use a pressure cooker or a slow cooker. I'm talking about desperation dinners when you only have anywhere from five to say 20 minutes to get food in your mouth. And we're talking about from the freezer or fridge all the way into your mouth? Yeah, I think so. Here's my plan of attack. First of all, let's go over some pantry staples. In my opinion, these are items you should keep stocked up in your pantry, fridge, and freezer at all times to make sure you're always prepared to throw a quick meal together. In fact, having a well-stocked pantry is absolutely essential to being able to pull off a desperation dinner. After all, if the only food you have in your house is an old bottle of ketchup in your fridge, all you're going to be able to make is a watery ketchup soup. So, Michelle, what's first on your list? I always make sure I have quick cooking proteins or pre-cooked proteins that I can whip up right away. And number one is eggs. We have them raw and we have hard-boiled eggs always on hand. Leftover roast chicken is another big one. I will make roast chicken at least once every week. And whenever I do a roast chicken, I do two at a time. You just put them on a pan side by side? Mm -hmm. We have a pretty big roasting pan. And so I will cook two side by side. It takes the same amount of time to make two as it does to make one. We eat one for dinner. I save the bones from that one for bone broth. And then the second one, I just save for whatever. And there's a whole bunch of things you can do with leftover chicken. Like adding shredded chicken to quick salads, soups, frittatas, you name it. Right. What other emergency proteins do you stock up on? Well, I keep a ton of canned fish in the pantry. I think I forget how much fish we have and then I keep on buying more when I'm at the store because I'm like, oh, we need to stock up on canned fish. I'm responsible for the kitchen organization. So I go into the pantry and I usually find anywhere from two to three dozen containers of canned fish every time I look. But canned fish really is amazing. I know sometimes people are like, ew, gross. I can't believe that you would just crack open a can and eat it. It's just like cat food. You know what? If you're saying that, you're really not that hungry. And you can stop being that picky because if you really were that hungry, you would crack open that can of fish and eat it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Convinced. That's actually something I used to do at work. I would always pack my meals, but then I would always bring a snack. Before, I would bring like a snack of like dark chocolate or macadamia nuts. And then I realized that I was just eating a bunch of snacky stuff when I wasn't even hungry. So instead of that, I started packing a can of fish. But did it, your coworkers complain about the smell of canned fish? 
you know what? I would actually go outside and eat it. So I'd crack it and I'd eat it outside. And I'd You're like a garbage. smoker. Some people take smoke breaks. You would take canned fish breaks. Yeah, I would probably eat it in the stairwell. And then I would put it into a Ziploc bag like my garbage and I'd throw it outside. <laughs> I was like the anal retentive chef from Saturday Night Live, Phil Hartman. And it totally was me. I was like... I'm really sorry. I will eat this really fast in the stairwell. And then when it's done, I will actually put my garbage in a hermetically sealed bag. And then you'd go brush your teeth and gargle? I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) But, you know, maybe I'd rinse my mouth. (laughs) But that would prove to me that a lot of times I wasn't actually that hungry. That's funny. So you would actually take a look at your little baggie of canned fish and just say, hmm, really not that hungry. Going to skip out on my snack. Right. still have my meals. But then if I was hungry in the middle, I'd be like, am I really that hungry? And you know, you can just crack open that can and eat it right away with a fork. I will talk about later how you can totally spruce it up. But if you're really hungry, you can just crack it open and eat it. I'm sort of surprised at you, though, because I know that you prioritize flavor over everything else. So are you saying that you actually like the flavor of canned fish and you wanted to eat it? Or it was actually a self-limit that you would put on your appetite to say, I don't really dig the taste of this. So if I crack that open, it means I really need the food for fuel. I definitely love flavorful food and umami is king but you know fish actually has a bunch of umami <laughs> as we so learned. you are saying that you actually do like it i like it but i don't love it mm. i think there are definitely ways to spruce it up if i squeezed on some lemon or i put on some furikake or i mixed it with guacamole or avocado so i think we're now pulling you back into the conversation of how to make this into a desperation dinner that you actually want to eat yes but we're getting ahead of ourselves First, let's finish talking about all the key pantry items I keep on hand to whip up desperation dinners. I also always have paleo mayonnaise. Sometimes I make it and I do have tons of different recipes on my site. But I have to say mayonnaise is one of those recipes where no matter how many different ways I show people on the blog how to do it, and I have videos, I have other people's techniques, There's always someone who says it didn't work for me and it broke. And it's just a tricky thing. It's really hard to make an emulsion sometimes. I've had issues making mayonnaise in the past as well. I think your immersion blender technique works really well for me. But I remember in the past trying to whip it up by hand and having some difficulty. Yeah, because you are trying to make oil and water into a cohesive emulsion, which is very difficult to do. So basically, you have to slowly drizzle the oil as you're constantly whisking at a constant rate. And the best way that I found to do it is this technique that I saw on Serious Eats that shows you how to make mayo in two minutes. You just watch the video and watch this technique and it should work. But sometimes there's just weirdness. Your immersion blender, the blade may not go down far enough and it doesn't emulsify the yolk right away. Or your container is too wide and you aren't able to emulsify properly. So there are lots of factors that can make mayonnaise kind of a pain in the butt. But there are mayonnaises that you can buy on the market that are paleo-friendly these days. Primal Kitchen Foods has one that's really good, made with avocado oil. And the Sir Kensington mayonnaise, I think, is pretty good. It does have a little bit of sugar, and some people might not like it because it's with sunflower oil. But I think it, it tastes pretty good. And again, we're talking about desperation dinners. And desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, no matter what, it's better than canola oil mayonnaise filled with all sorts of other chemicals. So what else do you stock up on? 
Oh, avocados, because that's nature's mayonnaise. If you don't want to deal with mayonnaise at all, just mash up an avocado. Or you can buy pre-made guacamole. Like the holy guacamole, I think, is pretty great. And you can buy it at Costco for not too much money. But guacamole is one of those things that are just so easy to whip up. I haven't come up with very many recipes for your site, but guacamole is one of them, mainly because it is pretty simple to whip together. Yeah, you make a pretty mean guacamole. Yeah, I don't make a mean very much of anything. But That's not true. You're you're like my secret weapon. Sometimes I'll come up with these really great recipes and I just pretend they're mine. <laughs> I will never tell which ones are mine. <laughs> So we've covered proteins and yummy fats and binders. So next, vegetables. Everybody has to eat vegetables. I actually buy a lot of salad greens. Probably one of the quickest vegetable side dishes is just grabbing some salad greens, throwing on your favorite olive oil or avocado oil, and then either lemon or vinegar, and you're all set. And we talked a little bit about this in the previous episode, episode four, about the ways that you can dress up your salads. Exactly. And as I said before, frozen vegetables are also a godsend because you can have vegetables in a jiffy. So we have proteins and plants. Is that it? Well, you're going to want some flavor boosters too. Just because you're making a desperation dinner doesn't mean it can't also be delicious. As we've talked about before, the best dishes have a good balance of different flavors, like savory, sweet, bitter, tart, and umami. Spicy, too. You can totally add some zinc to your meals by making sure you have plenty of flavor-boosting ingredients at your fingertips. So you can have a whole bunch of spice blends, and fresh herbs are a big one that you all you have to do is kind of snip some in, and it adds a lot of punch to whatever you're making. And I think it's also important to have a nice variety of acids to add zest to all your dishes. And balance. And balance. So this includes lemons, limes, any citrus, your favorite vinegars. There's so many different vinegars and they add a little something different to all your dishes. My only tip about acids is it's always better to kind of add them at the end. I see. So when you finish a platter of roasted vegetables, you do a little splash of acid on it. Right, because you don't want the heat to tone it down. That's right. Don't tone down your flavors. Turn up the volume. Yeah, your food shouldn't be on mute. So now that you know how to stock your kitchen, I'm going to let you in on some quick and dirty meals that you can make in about 15 to 20 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes? Is that even humanly possible without the intervention of Top Ramen? Totally. There is no reason that you have to fall face first into a giant bowl of cereal. And I know what that was like because that used to be my desperation dinner. I mean, you probably remember because you've known me over 20 years. I think our desperation dinners used to be cereal, toast, and probably more cereal. And more toast. And maybe some top ramen. Top ramen was too much work. You'd have to like heat up water. I know you'd have to wash the bowl. And what's so funny about all those things that I mentioned is... None of them would keep us full. No. After maybe four or five bowls of Captain Crunch, I'd be pretty full, though. Yes, with our non-fat milk. I think we had non-fat lactate. Yeah, that stuff is gross, and it was sweet. It was like sweet white water. Yeah. So anyway, back to 15 to 20 minute meals that you can have on the table for your stomach starts digesting itself. So I think the number one thing is to think about Brenner. Brenner means breakfast for dinner. 
And so the things that you would normally have for breakfast, you can serve for dinner. Not cereal, though. Not cereal, probably not pancakes or waffles. But like eggs, sausage and eggs with a giant salad. That's like a delicious meal that would literally take 10, 15 minutes. Like your sunny side salad. Sunny side salad is one of my favorites. So basically it is a giant salad with two crispy fried eggs on top. And to make it fancy, I make some carrot ribbons that I put on top and I drizzle on some balsamic vinegar, olive oil, and some salt and pepper. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Yeah, and another easy thing with eggs is you can make frittatas. You can basically throw anything in a frittata, any leftover protein, any leftover vegetable or frozen vegetable. You can add a little bit of coconut milk or if you are okay with dairy because there are some people who are primal, you can add a little bit of full-fat Greek yogurt or a little bit of heavy cream and that makes just a really nice fluffy frittata. Another really popular recipe is my sweet potato hash that you can top with eggs. You can serve it with salad. Salad is my go-to side dish. And even if you're not into eggs, you can top your sweet potato hash with all sorts of other things. Anything. Anything. You can cook it up with a little bit of breakfast sausage or ground beef. Or some shrimp. Bacon. You can add a bunch of different herbs on top and make it all fancy. And then my last two suggestions for quick and dirty meals are what I call garbage stir fry, which is basically cleaning out your fridge of whatever you have and stir frying it together with a little fish sauce, maybe some coconut aminos, a splash of rice wine vinegar. And then I also love garbage soup again. You really need to come up with new names. Oh, these are my favorite names. Garbage (laughs) stir fry and garbage soup. That way you are under promising and over delivering. So people expect to be eating garbage, but they're actually having something awesome. Yeah, your kids will be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to eat garbage. And then they'll eat and it's like, this is much better than garbage. I love eating garbage now. And I'll say, see, I told you. (laughs) So what if you only have five or 10 minutes and you do not want to wash a pot or a frying pan or anything like that? TV dinners. No, you can make no cook meals. No cook meals? What are you talking about? There are lots of things, but you can only really make no cook meals if you have those things I suggested earlier in your pantry or your fridge and freezer. So are we talking about canned fish? Yes, canned fish or hard boiled eggs. You can have roast chicken. I won't tell anybody if you buy a roast chicken at the store, but you can make all sorts of stuff. I have a whole post on it. One of my favorite things is called lazy devils. You know what lazy devils are. I sure do. I think you came up with it. Henry always comes up with really great ideas. Like some Lazy ideas. You always come up with my most popular recipe ideas. Lazy devils is one of them. It's essentially the lazy way to make deviled eggs. People these days are topping deviled eggs with so much stuff. You can't even tell that the home cook had taken the time and effort to scoop out the yolk. Mix it all up with stuff and then pipe it in. Yeah. So I figured, why take the extra step of scooping it out, blending it all up with other ingredients and piping it back in? Why not just slather a bunch of stuff on top of a halved hard-boiled egg? People are just going to pop it in their mouths anyway. They're not going to be able to tell the difference. You don't even have to make perfect hard-boiled eggs. If you have that gray ring around your yolk, it's okay because no one can see it. 
So essentially for Lazy Devils, it's a recipe that's in our cookbook, not on paleo food for humans, but the quick and dirty is you get hard boiled eggs, you cut them in half lengthwise, you slather on some sort of flavored mayonnaise. We like to add sriracha to our mayonnaise. And then you can put prosciutto or any type of protein. And if you're feeling fancy, you can cut some chives and that's it. And they look beautiful if you pile it on nice and they're delicious to eat. If you have hard boiled eggs in your fridge already, this is a five minute meal. It's a perfect breakfast. A lot of times when I'm rushing to get the kids out the door and I have nothing to eat and I don't have time to fry an egg, I will make a lazy devil or a few. Or more than a few. Yeah. So other ideas are Madras chicken salad. It's a chicken salad that that I have on the blog, which is seasoned. Again, it's basically seasoned mayonnaise. And this time I use Madras curry powder. I add some apples, some crunchy almonds, and you put it on a bed of greens and it's a delicious, complete meal. What else you got? Spicy salmon cucumber bites. Look super fancy, but they're super easy to make. You essentially make a little cup with an English cucumber, you kind of scoop out the middle and then you just toss some cooked salmon with flavored mayonnaise and you can top it with chives or whatever you want to make it pretty. So they look elegant. They take no time at all and they're super delicious. You could throw a party with no notice at all. What else could you do if you had to throw together an entree or an appetizer dish on the quick? I also have a chilled cream of avocado soup with crab that can be super fancy, but it's also super delicious. And there's no cooking required. No cooking. You just use a blender. So this is a great idea, especially in the summer months when chilled soups are perfect for the weather. Yeah, we also have a watermelon and tomato gazpacho soup that's awesome. You could blend that up and then serve it with some leftover roast chicken or a salad and bam, there's dinner. I was just talking to somebody today about how watermelon goes really great in many recipes that call for tomatoes. You you always tell me that. And I think I always doubted you. But then when we made this recipe, I was like, that is really good. And then when we would go out to eat at the end of summer, there's always tomato and watermelon salads on the menu. You know, my favorite of your no-cook recipes? What? Your crab and avocado tamaki. And I know the kids love it too because they love sushi. I've tricked you guys. I love it because I don't have to make it for everyone. Everybody has to fend for themselves. I just kind of lay out all the ingredients and everybody rolls their own hand rolls. And they taste basically like California rolls without the rice. Yeah, in fact, it has all the good stuff in it. I think a lot of times the rice is just filler. And if you take it out, it's all the good stuff. It's flavored, crab meat bound with some mayonnaise, avocado, cucumber. You can add some of those sprouts and you wrap it in a piece of toasted nori. I love it. It's one of your classic Nom Nom Paleo recipes that you've had on the blog forever. And it's still one of my favorites. I love it too. I love it because it makes it super easy for me. So I've given you ideas for what to do if you only have 15 to 20 minutes to cook and what to do if you only have five minutes to cook. But the most important take-home point I want to share with you is this. When you do have time to cook, just make a ton of leftovers. And that way, you won't have to even do these desperation dinners. If you have time to make my sister's green chicken or my tandoori chicken or any of my chicken dishes, make more than you can eat for dinner. And that way you can have it for breakfast. 
that's what I do a lot. So besides my crispy fried eggs, my lazy devils, my other go-to breakfast is just a couple of cold drumsticks from the night before. So this is sort of the Brinner concept turned on its head. It's not breakfast for dinner. It's dinner for breakfast or breakfast. Yes, we're just wild and crazy like that. Or maybe it's just because you worked so many night shifts that we can't tell night from day. I, I don't think it's been ingrained in my head that you have to eat whatever in the morning or whatever at night. You just need to eat real food. So stock up your kitchen with all the things that Michelle mentioned. I'll put all those items in the show notes. I'll also link to my no cook paleo post. And if you're looking for inspiration for other no cook paleo ideas, there's a really great hashtag that you can follow on Instagram and Twitter that was started by my pal Carissa. That's her whole blog and that's her whole thing is no cook paleo. And she has a ton of really great ideas on how you can put together a meal without cooking anything. And what's her website? NoCookPaleo.com. Awesome. Check it out. Okay, Owen, your mom and I are talking about what we eat when we're desperately hungry. What do you snack on when you're desperate? When I'm desperately hungry, like watermelon and oranges, those are my favorites to eat when I'm desperate. I know it. You go into the fridge and you pop open our little container of watermelon and you'll devour half that container in one sitting. I could devour the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> if you let me, I could show you. No. No. <laughs> So if you had the choice between watermelon and bacon, what would you choose? Watermelon, period. Really? Yep. How about bacon wrapped around watermelon? What? That sounds terrible. Hey, Dad, remember when in Adventure Time, Jermaine's like, I never stretched up into the sky and farted on a wing of a falcon. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Ollie. Uh, but I'm actually here to ask you what you like to eat when you're desperately hungry. I eat seaweed. You eat seaweed? Just straight from the ocean? Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah? <laughs> you eat sea snacks, right? That are from the sea. Straight. That, that's true. Probably does make it through one additional step where the seaweed comes out of the ocean and then is at least dried and then cut into little rectangles and put in a package before yeah. it gets to you, right? Yeah. There's 10 pieces in the package. There's 10? Have you counted? Yeah. Like almost every day I, I eat like 50. You eat 50 packages? No, like 50 pieces. So that's five packages. Yeah. So... My highest score is six though. Your highest score is six? Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. I'm keeping track. We're going to have a leaderboard. I'm the leader for eating sea snacks. What's the record that you want to break? Uh, I want to break at least 12. 12 packages yeah, of sea snacks? Yeah, that would be like 120. Good math. It's not really math. It's not? I just knew it. All right. Cool. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. Question of the week. Owen, what is your question of the week this week? Um, the quick and easy Chinese cookbooks. Well, why do you like them so much? I think it's just because like they have all these nice pictures and shows like exactly how do you do it because it's step by step. Well, there's like a lot of recipes, so you get to look at a lot of stuff. Where do you think those pictures were taken? In China, probably. Maybe Japan, China. Hmm. Are you implying that Japan and China are the same thing? Maybe. <laughs> Um, Owen, 
Tell us a little bit more about the books. The books have like these little chapters. It's where they have like recipes for like dim sum. Then they have recipes for soups, uh, main courses, mm-hmm. like chicken and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you like them because we don't eat Chinese food that much? Um, yeah, but then I also don't really like Chinese food, so I don't really know why I really like these okay. cookbooks. Is it because they're step-by-step? Yeah, I think I like any step-by-step cookbooks that have, like, pictures. Like Mommy's book? Yeah. Ollie, what's your crush of the week? It is Crackland Chicken. It is my favorite chicken in the whole wide world. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, you ha- you just had it like two days ago. So I know, I'm trying to be like some radio personality. <laughs> Why do you like crackling chicken? Well, the skin's super crispy, and I always like it with a wheat-free teriyaki sauce. You seem to like everything with teriyaki sauce. Yeah, basically. Tell me more about crackling chicken. I like it because my mom pounds it, and she fries it really crispy, and when it's... When it's hot, she likes to cut it up, and then I eat it. Even my cousin Matthew likes it, but he doesn't like broccoli as more than me. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, Matthew isn't really our cousin, but he is as close as a cousin because he's our best friend's son. We hang out with him and travel with him and eat with him all the time, so it seems like he's your cousin, right? Oh shoot. So let's talk to Matthew about crackling chicken. So do you want to introduce yourself? My name's Matthew. How old are you, Matthew? Five. And what is something that you've told us before? How can someone become your friend? By giving me meat. Oh, you are a smart cookie. That's why I like you so much. <laughs> Matthew gets along really well with the double O's. And so when he comes over, I like to make things that he likes to eat. And so tonight we had crackling chicken. Can you describe what crackling chicken is? It's this chicken that has skin and it's bumpy and it's salty. And if you put teriyaki sauce on it, it's even better. Yeah, we actually use a soy-free, gluten-free teriyaki sauce that we buy by like Coconut Secrets. But the kids seem to really love that teriyaki sauce. And you know, Matthew, how many chicken thighs did you eat? How much? How much? I think you ate four. (laughs) I ate four? Yeah, that's almost as old as you. You ate four and you're only five. Yeah. I love you and I love your appetite. That's why you're one of our best pals and that's why we have you over for dinner all the time. Thanks for being our guest. It's a pleasure. (laughs) I love it when guests say it's a pleasure. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Question of the week. Okay, so the question of the week. Katie asked in your blog comments, I would love for you, Michelle, to describe your greatest inspirations. Are there particular people, places, or things that especially inspire your kitchen creations? Hmm, That's a great question. The thing that inspires my kitchen creations the most is just traveling and eating different foods in their native environment. I mean, I've made us travel a bunch of places just so I could try (laughs) certain dishes. And whenever we've traveled places, I've made us search out certain restaurants because I'm a total gastro tourist. That's the only way to really experience the food is to kind of go to the source. So can you give us some examples? 
when we were in Japan, I was really excited to visit Kyoto because I knew that there were so many different types of Japanese restaurants in Kyoto. Because unlike here, where a Japanese restaurant will have like a tempura section, a sushi section at one restaurant, in Kyoto, they will have a whole restaurant that is devoted to say tonkatsu or a whole restaurant devoted to tofu or yuba. And of course, none of these things are paleo. <laughs> but I think that you can get inspiration from a whole lot of different foods. And we talked about this with Gregory Gourdet. You can try foods in their native environment. And then when you get home, you can paleofy them. And of course, you should only try foods that you know aren't going to wreck you or it's worth it to you to try something. And then in terms of people, I think my mom and my sister are probably my biggest inspirations just because they're wonderful cooks and they also have this desire to always try new things. When my mom first moved to the United States 40 something years ago, there was this gourmet grocery store near our house. And I remember she would bring home chocolate covered ants. And one time she bought some truffles. She had no idea what they were, but I think she had saved money from her bank teller job and she just wanted to try it. She's like, why is this black nugget that looks like a piece of poo this expensive? <laughs> And so I think she bought it and I don't know that she knew what to do with it. But I mean, it's that kind of sense of adventure and in curiosity kitchen. and just exploration. Yeah, that I admire and I feel that I share the same stuff. I guess I do take after my mother a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it for this week. This podcast was recorded and produced at Nom Nom Paleo World Headquarters, also known as the dining room in our house, located in the heart of Silicon Valley, 50 feet from Jeremy Lin's parents' house. The Nom Nom Paleo theme song is by Mark Bartels, with additional music by Big O and Politaire. This podcast is supported by Thrive Market, our favorite online destination for wholesome products at wholesale prices. Pay one low membership price and you can shop from over 3,000 healthy, natural products, always 25 to 50% off retail, delivered straight to your door. Right now, if you go to nomnompaleo.com slash thrive, you'll get two months free membership at Thrive Market and an additional 20% off your first order. And in case you're wondering, unless stated otherwise, none of the brands or products mentioned sponsor this podcast. We just talk about the stuff we love. If you like this podcast, we have two favors to ask. First, you can visit us at nomnompaleo.com for show notes, and you can also find hundreds of step-by-step -step recipes, kitchen tips, snarky writing, and more. We also have an iPad app and a cookbook. More information at nomnompaleo.com. And last but not least, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us to get a sense as to what you like. Join us again next week for more Nom Nom Paleo podcasts. Ciao for now.